0: Imagine if just by moving your video library to the cloud you could search it for faces, logos, songs and more. The CEO and SVP of AI at Wasabi say that's why the company bought Curio AI. Listen on for the interview. end screen noise on television nation my name is Colin Dixon founder and chief analyst of in screen media and I'll be releasing the video versions of all of the end screen noise interviews on ITVT's television nation from now on you should expect one or two a month now you can still listen to the full unedited version of the interview audio only through the end screen noise podcast and you can find that podcast just by pointing your podcast manager at end screen media or end screen noise just search on those and you should find that in all of the popular podcast managers or you can go to end dot com and find it there. Now if you're listening to this and you would like to look at the video version then point your browser at itvt.com forward slash television nation and click on the end screen noise button at the top of the page. Now AI is one of the most exciting areas in technology today and it has already started to revolutionize the business of media and entertainment. The technology is having an immediate impact on the quantity and quality of metadata for video, from discovery to voice control, ad insertion to distribution. Metadata is the foundation upon which a successful video business is built. But how do you get started with the technology and begin to reap the benefits of AI and its impact on the metadata? Well, that is why Wasabi, the cloud storage company, has just purchased Curio AI from Gray Meta. This interview with company CEO, David Friend, and SVP of AI, Aaron Edel, explains how the acquisition allows the company to create a simple solution, leveraging AI to enhance video metadata and improve your video business. But first, do you want to understand how to launch a fast channel? Then you need to join the next TVOT Connect live session on February 8th, that's a Thursday, at 11 a.m. Pacific. Why don't you join Tracy Swedlow of ITVT and me, and we will be talking with Mehmet Gunders, who's Senior Director of Streaming Strategy and Distribution at Content Aggregator Video Elephant. Mehmet has just launched a couple of channels, and he's going to share what he learned in that process in this TVOT Connect. And of course, these sessions are always your chance to be visible, be heard, learn and network with your peers. Uh, And it is a live only session. You will not be able to watch this on demand. There really is no better way to supercharge your industry network. So why don't you point your browser at ITVT.com forward slash TVOT forward slash connect. That's ITVT.com forward slash TVOT forward slash connect. There you'll get lots more details. You can sign up for the live session, and you can check out the benefits of becoming a TVOT Connect member. Now on with the interview. And I'm delighted to welcome David Friend, who is CEO of Wasabi, and Alan Edel, who is SVP of AI, to the podcast. Welcome, guys.
1: Hi. Hi, Colin. Nice to be here.
0: So, I'm really excited to have you come and talk about this integration between Curio and Wasabi, which we'll get to in just a moment. But I think maybe it'd be a good idea if we can get sort of get grounded and just understand a little bit more about Wasabi and Curio, the company. So, David, please introduce us to to Wasabi.
1: Sure. So, uh, I think outside the hyperscalers, Wasabi is the largest provider of uh, objects storage in the cloud in the world. We have about 60,000 customers today, about 17,000 channel partners that uh, resell Wasabi. We have data centers all over the world. We've raised about a half a dollars. The company's got about 400 employees today, and uh, we're growing very rapidly. Uh, we've been almost doubling in size every year since we got started, and very excited to have uh, this announcement of our acquisition of Curio AI because I have always that uh, well, structured data is easily searchable. People have tools like SQL and so forth. Other than structured data has not until now. And the recent advances in uh, machine learning and the dramatically lower cost of the compute necessary to uh, operate machine learning, I think, is about to open a new era in that intelligent object storage.
0: Right. And so tell me. Um... Are M&E customers a big part of your business, David?
1: Uh, They're not as big as they should be. And I think that's primarily what's driven this acquisition. You know, we obviously do business with almost all the Hollywood studios. We do business with the Boston Red Sox, where we're a sponsor, Liverpool Football Club in England, and and most of the major sports teams uh, in the US. But what we don't have is those archives going back 50, 70 years in some cases uh, of you know, all of the valuable content that is stored right now, mostly on tape. And, uh, you know, it's been difficult for the, uh, the M&E industry to justify moving that stuff to the cloud because if they do, they still can't find what they're looking for. So I, I sort of see where we are right now as we've got this huge library, but with no card catalog. And, uh, you know, I, I live just across the river from Harvard. And, Widener Library with 16 million volumes, it would be utterly useless if there wasn't a you know a directory to tell you where to find your books. All right, And I think that's what we're bringing to, uh, to object storage today. And I, and I view this as being something which a short number of years in the future, nobody's going to be able to sell object storage without some kind of uh, indexing like what we're doing at Wasabi.
0: Right. right. Okay. So let's, let's flip back. Curio. Alan, why don't you introduce us to Curio?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um,
2: so gray meta, the, so Wasabi acquired Curio from gray meta gray meta was founded by a man named Tim Stockhouse back in about 2015. And our original idea was all of these, you know, all of these media and entertainment companies that have massive archives, the same ones that, that Dave's talking about, um, Uh, can't find anything. And a lot of this originated with the fact that metadata was manually entered, um, and in a lot of cases still is. We thought, what if we could just crawl through these archives and pull out metadata from all of the objects, all the files that we find, and layer it somewhere that's accessible, searchable, and linked to the original asset? Around 2016, I saw a demo of of speech-to-text, machine learning-as-a-service capability, and it blew my mind Not because it was impressive that speech to text had existed before, but for the first time, I kind of connected it to search. If I can turn these assets that are opaque and dark and inaccessible into some even searchable tokens, a few of them, then we might actually have a a way to properly make metadata work for these archives or, or create and enhance metadata that wasn't there before. I worked as a video logger, as an intern in high school for my dad, who, uh, who had a television show, a KGO, uh, it's, it takes forever manually logging video, manual logging content. And if you don't do it, you, you you what's the point of storing all this stuff? You might as well just throw it all away. If you don't know what you have, if you can't find it, if you can't make use of it, why are you storing it? So throughout the years, Gray Meta emerged with a couple other companies that had some other technology. One of them, Sama Systems, was turning video tapes. Into digital media, and another was called Iris, which was about QC um, uh, and metadata. Or sorry, QCing in the cloud and and um, providing a video pipeline for that. And then there was Curio, or what eventually became Curio. We called it something else back in the day. Um, and Curio is is essentially a solution to this problem we're describing, and especially now that it's paired with, with Wasabi Cloud Storage, there's going to be no more uh, object store without an index no more uh cloud console with no search bar or just searching by file names that those days are over and so i think that that's really the essence of what this what curio is about for customers
0: All right so the two you the two of you have come together sabi's book curio tell me about how this how this deal came around i guess you guys were working together already
1: yeah we had been uh, working together for a number of years how long ago was it when we first Started talking to you,
2: Aaron. I think that the first demo of a of Wasabi bucket with Curio was IBC of 2019. Is that's that's the rumor I heard.
0: The last one before the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> I was there. I was there.
2: Yes, I wasn't. So I can't I can't vouch for the fact, but that is the rumor I heard. So it's been years. I sent Dave, you know, kind of as a joke a you know, an event I spoke at called the Creative Storage Conference put on by Tom Coughlin, I think in 2016 or 17, where I was strongly advocating for the fact that your metadata and your objects should be as close together as possible. There should be no air between them. In fact, I really loved the idea of embedding the metadata in the object headers themselves. That's perhaps a step too far. Maybe not. But I think the idea was that there's no reason why these two things should be um, so logically separate, because as we all know objects get replicated they move um they get you know imported into into uh, m- multiple tiers and sent to people and that metadata should just be th- I mean that is what the object is at the end of the day it's the video file, it's the data so why is it inaccessible uh with you know if you don't have the metadata it is unless you play it and sit there and take a pencil and write down everything that happens
0: right so uh, yeah go go ahead David.
1: Well, I was just going to say the, you know, you, you asked about how this thing came about. And, uh, you know, it became, as I talked to more and more customers and said, well, you know, you can do what you're talking about doing by storing your data in Wasabi and then you can go over here and buy Curio and, you know, you can connect them up together. And, and they were like, uh, no, I don't, you know, we want to deal with one vendor. We don't want to deal with multiple vendors. We don't have the technical chops to hook up an API to, uh, you know, from a, a something like Curio over to Wasabi. You know, we just like to write a check, and you guys take care of all that for us. And uh, and so that's when it, it really dawned on me that the metadata really is just part and parcel of the storage. And when you look at the way we're charging for this, basically, we're just charging for the storage, and the metadata is free. All this ML stuff is free. And, you know, if you look at, like, you know, Amazon's charging almost $50 per hour of video scanned, and you store your data in Wasabi in this uh, tier of storage, it's slightly more expensive than our, maybe I should, shouldn't call it this, but dumb storage. You don't pay for that. <laughs> There's no charge for the scanning, if you will. And that's just our business model. Our business model is really simple. It doesn't matter how much you use it. It doesn't matter whether you're sitting at your at your workstation querying all day long. Find me all the places where Aaron's space occurs. Find me all the places where Dave Friend and Aaron are in the same frame. Find me the places where I hear the sound of a baseball hitting a bat, uh, you know, whatever. Play me all the places where the fans are swinging, singing Sweet Caroline. Uh, <clears throat> you know, that stuff is all just part of the storage. And that's the way we view it. Nobody else really viewing it that way. I mean, the hyperscalers are providing you with a toolkit. And basically, if you want to spend millions of dollars and years in development, you can build applications like this. But we sell through channels and channel partners can't deal with complexity, nor can most of our M and E customers. They want some, they want one vendor to, you know, with one throat to choke who can do the whole thing for them.
0: So you gave some great examples of some of the objects that can be recognized in the video. Um, Aaron, these are all sort of synced in time, so we know exactly where that happens. Um, What sort of business cases does this sort of enable uh, among people that take advantage of it?
2: So um, if you imagine, you know, right now, Curio supports, you know, face recognition, logo recognition, a really robust object recognition capability speech to text. That's so accurate that some customers are considering just making their closed captioning pipeline automated through curio, as well as translation Um, OCR reading text from screen Um, sound, sound identification, you know, gunshots, applause, content moderation, uh, which can get quite specific, but guns, alcohol, violence, nudity, these kinds of things. So, You know, if you're, if you, if you, you know, can imagine having access to all that data for every object in your archive, I think you could also imagine probably a lot of different use cases, but some of the most common are I am editing together a a package or a piece for social media or for, for an ad or for broadcasts, you know, think like a trailer or something to that effect. And I need to pull assets, things I need. I need a shot of some trees. I need a shot of this person talking about this thing. Um, If it's a sports highlight reel, you're going to want the moments that are exciting, right? So you need to be able to, and a, sports is actually a really good example, because a game is quite long, you know, depending on the type of game. If it's, you know, 90 minutes, three hours, something like that, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. And we want to give editors the ability to just quickly identify the moments they want and piece together the edit they need. You know, uh, And uh and this applies really kind of in all sorts of media adjacent workflows as well. So if you think about, you know, uh, marketing teams who are looking for B-roll footage that they know that there are maybe they don't know, but that that they own, right? Instead of going and buying it from somebody else, which costs money or licensing it, maybe they already own a shot of a jungle. You know, we've had customers who said that they when they can't find something and they know they've owned it and they know they shot it, they just go out and reshoot it and it costs them a fortune uh, and slows them down. Time is another really important factor here too. You know, you want to give your editors, your marketing people, anybody who has to do something with these assets, you want to give them tools that make their lives easy and speed things up. If they have to sit and watch down a three-hour game to find the moments they want, that's three hours they don't get back. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of time-saving use cases that crop up. There's also some really cool use cases that I like that, um, I, you know, that, that I think we're really just starting to scratch the surface on, like, you know, collaborative filtering, filtering or recommendation engines, personalization engines. If I have a, you know, a, a sphere, pick your favorite streaming company in the app on my phone, it's going to recommend some television shows or things for me to watch. That recommendation is usually based on data it has about me. But now with Curio, you also have data about the asset you're recommending. So you can, and machine learning is really good at finding patterns that we didn't foresee or think about ahead of time. So maybe it turns out that people of a specific demographic really like watching content where Tom Cruise appears some percentage of the time, and there's also uh, a lot of trees. I'm just making it up on the spot, but those kinds of patterns that we don't imagine ahead of time can actually boost and improve performance for recommendation. Um, and then there's all kinds of pipeline automation use cases as well, right? Like any content that doesn't meet certain metadata criteria in terms of frame size, bit rate, um, you know, compression algorithms that are used or encoding profiles, send them over here. Anything that has nudity, send it over here because it needs to be reviewed by a second party. Anything that says it's Spanish, but it's actually in some other language, flag it, right? Um, there, there's these kind of workflow enhancements that, that you can you can benefit from by having this kind of, not just having the metadata, but having really simple, easy access to it.
0: It seems like it really helps in, in in two ways, right? It helps in one, in identifying and filling out the data so that we have it, right? So that we know where these things are occurring in the video. But it also helps in being able to sort through this massive amount of data and looking for these patterns. So it seems like a really good marriage of both of those areas are coming together here in this product. David, talk to us about how how do I as a customer how do I sign up for this? What does it cost me? Where and how do I you know how, how does that, how do I make it part of my business flow?
1: Sure. Well, the announcement today is is the announcement of the acquisition. Um, in probably April or late March or early April we'll actually be unveiling the product. And I think the official launch is going to be at NAB. Is that right, Aaron? Yep. So in, in April. And at that time we'll be announcing uh, pricing and so forth. But I can tell you how the pricing works. Yep. Uh, so the, we, we only are going to charge for the storage. So it'll be a, a higher price than our standard done storage. But it'll be, you know, you'll pay... By the terabyte, and so if you've got a, a terabyte of video, you upload it to Wasabi. It'll automatically get indexed. So anything you put into this tier of storage will automatically get indexed, and then you'll have access to unlimited access to the uh, to the Curio UI, which allows you to do things like uh, queries and and uh, you know find me all the places where David Friend. And the Wasabi logo appear in the same frame, that sort of thing. And that's a very powerful app. It's not designed to replace video management or asset management systems. It's designed to work with them. And then there's also a a very robust API that allows people who have MAMS, you know, whether it's Adobe or, uh, you know, any of the others to easily interface to the metadata that's created by, by Curio. So we're trying to make this really simple. There's going to be one line item on your bill, and that's how much data storage are you using. And the the usage is free, the egress is free, there's no charge for API calls, or any of the other things that you would normally uh, see if you were doing the same sort of thing with Amazon or Google or
0: Microsoft. Very good. So it's nice and simple. And what you basically do, without me lifting a finger, is turn my videos into a searchable database. Wow, that sounds very, very powerful. Let Let's dig in a little bit to how we actually do that. Where do the so, Aaron, where do the AI models come from, and where does the AI platform come from?
2: We made it from from uh, we made it ourselves. So that was a really important. Um, you know, I, I came back to Gray Meta in February of twenty twenty three, and that was my directive number one we are going to make our own machine learning and host and own our own machine learning models because that lets us be really efficient. And it also lets us stay at the bleeding edge of the state of the art, um, which we've been able to accomplish in both cases. So, you know, we use, a, because there's so there's a lot of different uh, types of machine learning models that we're running, right? From face recognition and face detection to speech to text and translation, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of technologies in the mix. Um, you know, we we use a variety of sources of information from the latest research that comes out of, you know, the various places that they come out of. Uh, we look at a lot of open source libraries. We look at, um, you know, we've built some of our own training. We're, you know, for example, like we we do all our own logo training. We have experimented with a lot of different types of machine learning to get logo and object detection working really well from. Zero shot learning and unsupervised learning to a kind of more traditional supervised learning approach. Um, sometimes we mix things. So if you kind of imagine as an end-to-end neural network being the end-all be-all, before you get there, there's pipelines. So uh, pre-processing of content in certain ways. We've learned, we've just learned f- from trial by fire from doing this for years and years and years. What works and what doesn't. I mean, there's no compression algorithm for experience. Like you, you can't shortchange having tried to sell machine learning, this tagging to customers and get, get feedback. This doesn't work, this works great. Uh, how can we make this better? So I can't really say it's any one thing. It's really um, um, quite a mix and, and we're always, always, always innovating. This is another really important uh, you know, principle for me as a leader. Um, we must always be pushing the envelope and innovating and finding ways to make it more efficient, right? More optimized uh, and more accurate and easier. Simplicity is hard. People mistake simplicity for for easy. It's not. It's very hard to keep things simple. And when you're talking about something like uh, logo recognition, it can get very complicated, right? There's all kinds of different kinds of logos, and you know which ones are you looking for, and what contexts, and that kind of thing. We don't want customers to have to worry about that, right? I think you said it best. We just want customers to put their stuff into a bucket and. That's that's all they need to worry about. It
0: all happens. It just all happens. How long does it take to process the videos?
2: That is a that is a number that is never the same and always going down. So, um, if you asked me that last week, it would be different than it is today. Um, you know, our goal is to make it as fast as possible. So, you know, we're we're talking about multiple, multiple, multiple times real time. You know, we we we're gonna be optimizing for the best hardware. We're gonna be optimizing the machine learning. In fact, even just this week, we did some optimizations and improved the speed by um by a hundred times so of one of our models. So I can't give you a, a static answer that will be relevant or make sense, but it's it's let me put it this way. I don't want you to have to think about that or worry about that as a customer, right? you know, yes, 8 billion hours of video is going to take longer than 100, but, you know, I don't want it to be a big factor and a big thing that you have to figure out and think about, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis.
0: And you mentioned, I think, that it was time code accurate. Why does that matter? Why is that important?
2: So because, you know, video time... So if, if all time code were the same, right? So if every video file started at zero and ended at wherever it ended, then you know we wouldn't need to worry about that so much because then we could just be time accurate. But time code, sometimes it starts at 152.5347. And then some of it's drop frame, some of it's non-drop frame, some of it is 2997, some of it is 50. So there's 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 um all kinds of different kinds of time code. And time code is um you know really important when you're trying to track metadata on a timeline and you want to, I want to be able to give customers the ability to know exactly where in the video uh, you know the the Adidas logo appeared, or exactly when this person started talking or exactly where this mention of this concept or celebrity was. I can't tell you that if I am if I'm you know basically doing zero zero based time coding because when you pull that asset into your editing system and I and let's say you're exporting markers from Curio, the time codes will be completely off. They, they won't match. Um, so it's, it, and that was hard. That was a hard problem to solve. That took us a long time to get time code accuracy baked in, but it's there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've, I've seen at a couple of the shows has been the ability to replace objects with, uh, you know, literally having sponsors pay to have a can of Coke on the desk instead of a, a Starbucks coffee. And you really can't do that unless you have this ability to accurately time code stamp where that object appears so that it can be inserted so it's really this this data is so foundational to pretty much all the business models that we're looking for. David I wanted to ask uh, as we as we near the end of the interview here what, what are some of the things that you're looking for in the near future to do with this uh, this this product and this feature set.
1: Well you know our overall strategy obviously is to be the world's biggest and best cloud storage vendor. And, uh, you know, our strategy since day one has been hyper-focus on, on storage. We don't do 300 other things like Amazon does. We don't do blockchain. We don't do analytics. We don't do gaming. We just do storage. And we, you know, we've raised a lot of money over the years to get where we are. And my theory from the beginning has always been if we just focus on storage, we can do it better than anybody. And you know, given our almost 15 year history now in cloud storage uh, and my the contributions of my genius technical co-founder Jeff flowers, uh, you know I think we've done a good job so far. so I see the curio as being the the beginning of kind of the next phase for Wasabi. so the first phase was you know how do we how do we make cloud storage cheaper and and more efficient than what's been out there on the market. Now, having really done that, we're moving to the phase where we are exerting what I call thought leadership in the industry, which is we're pulling ahead of what you can get from Amazon, Google, and Microsoft in terms of of storage itself. And, you know, two recent innovations that the other guys still don't have. Uh, one is our our multi-user authentication port Account deletion, and this keeps this. This is sort of a nuclear missile launch idea, where to delete an account, two people, not me (laughs) with my own phone, but two actual individuals have to agree to do this because it's a real vulnerability with the with the uh, hyperscalers. You know, a a disaffected employee or someone who who fishes and gets the sysadmins uh account credentials can actually just blow up the whole account and poof, all your data is gone. Your whole business could be gone. So, you know, sooner or later, they'll catch up and do that. And then this, I think, more significant innovation, particularly for our M&E customers, is this automatic tagging of content. And I think if you look forward five or seven years, something like that, You won't be able to sell object storage to the M and E market without this kind of capability. It'll just be assumed that it's going to be there. It's just like a reference book without an index. I mean, why would you do that? And so it's going to become table stakes. And, you know, we're going to, we're the first ones to have it. And, you know, as we move forward, uh, I hope that we'll be able to innovate in other ways and always be ahead of the market in terms of capabilities and what people expect of data storage in the cloud. Very good. Yeah. And, and yeah, ads, you're, ads, you're always innovating. What are some,
2: are some of the big innovations we can, can expect this year? Oh, I have to keep the best ones secret. But the ones that I probably can tell you about is that, you know, we're going to be adding more, more machine learning capabilities. So this week we've added uh, speaker diarization, which is and, you know, this is, we haven't put it in production yet, but we, we've we solved it. It runs quickly and it works, um, which essentially helps you identify who's speaking in content or at least separate, at, at the very least, separate out the transcript by speaker. And then what we want to eventually be able to do is identify speakers. So even if you don't know who who's in your content, it, it can tell you that, you know, Barack Obama was speaking here, David Friend was speaking here, and then you know we want to get to a place where you can teach it or train it based on just some clips of voice voices right so i think that that and that has a lot of use cases kind of beyond M&E as well um but i think that that's going to be something that you're going to see very soon i i know it sounds kind of esoteric but i'm blown away by our ir um object detection capability and i think we're only scratching the surface there in terms of you know what we can identify in content and how we can track it same with logos so you're gonna see kind of better functionality from from those capabilities and better accuracy. I think a lot of the problems with what's available today, especially from the hyperscalers, is you get this kind of broad shotgun approach of tags that are that are too broad and don't really help you solve your problems. Ours are very specific. So it's a very exciting time uh for to be an SVP of AI. <laughs> uh, I,
0: I think it, I think it is. It's like I'm um, like you, I can't wait to see. What we can do with the technology going forward. Uh, this has been tremendous. I, I guarantee you I will be at NAB and I'm gonna make sure I'm there for your launch of the official launch of the, of the integrated product. Uh, so I certainly look forward to that. David and Alan, thank you both for joining us. Pleasure. This podcast is the property of N-screen media, all rights reserved.